As the sacred cookout heads to the polls in the primaries for the 2020 presidential election, what should be a heated yet friendly debate threatens to turn the cookout into an unholy food fight. The sacred cookout is in crisis as culture popes go hard body karate all over each other. Will this schism tear the sacred cookout apart irrevocably and for all time? Can we get it together to keep the orange one from another four years? The devil advocates jump into the fray. Down-ass members of the culture, we come not to endorse a candidate between Bernie Sanders of Brooklyn and Elizabeth Warren of Oklahoma. We come simply to, with nuance and depth, address this schism and separate this bullshit, unfair disqualification arguments from the real concerns about candidates' fitness for the highest office. We know that taken out of context, Everything we say can be misconstrued as a hatchet job or a justification for the alleged transgressions. So we want to reiterate, we're simply looking for a way to mediate this schism and preserve the unity of the sacred cookout. We know that addressing this problem can be construed as taking a side and may may alienate us from one or both sides in the schism. In doing so, we risk our own places in the sacred cookout. And after solemn self-reflection, we have decided that we don't give a fuck. If nuance and cool-headed self-reflection die, the culture will follow. Love is making us ask these questions. We hope love drives you to ask the same questions. We want to engage you, but not on a social media feed where the loudest or most viscerally pleasing idea wins. We want to engage you as individuals. So message all the love and hate and everything in between. And don't forget to nominate heretics for us to discuss in the coming weeks. So, first of all, uh, we want to thank our uh, dozens of listeners. <laughs> it's actually it's actually hundreds, folks. Uh, we, yeah, we've got some good numbers. <laughs> we got people in Istanbul. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we want to thank everybody who enjoyed the first season. Uh, we love your feedback, and a few of you noticed that uh, some of the conversations that we've had with you have made it into the show. Um, so, uh, it's been a long time since our last podcast. Uh, and uh, this is the first of the second season. We shouldn't have left you without some dope uh, bullshitting to uh, work out to or get high to. So uh, we're now back, and we have a brand spanking new 16 podcast season for you that we're going to do this year. We're going to have mini pods uh, that that you should look out for uh, released on select Thursdays. Uh, which will be Throwback Thursday mini pods where we get back into some of our old subjects uh, and update them and add further musings on them. Uh, We're also going to have some other bonus podcasts, video content, and even an actual physical sacred cookout jam 
where you can meet us and other bench uh, click musicians, contributors, uh, and uh, people in the collective this summer. So look out for details about all that. So now let's get ready for a progressive throwdown. <laughs> Bernie versus Warren. Obviously, our election specials will have a different format than our season one podcast. So we're gonna do uh, what we're gonna do is gonna go back and forth and discuss the attacks on each candidate and see how valid those attacks are. All these attacks will be attacks from the left. There may be discussions about attacks from the right later in this year, um, but it's not what this particular podcast is about. Today, our guest, uh, Advocatus Diaboli, uh, do you want to introduce him? Um, yes. Uh, it, it, I'm so happy to have uh, Robert Rapino, author of Mort, which is one of my favorite, I guess, what, are you sci-fi fantasy? Where? where it's sci-fi fantasy. Sure, sci-fi sure. fantasy. Highly um, implausible sci-fi, I would call, describe yeah, yeah. it. <laughs> I, I call it uh, the 1984 for the new American century. Thank you. So, um, I, uh, it's actually... It's kind of like 1984 meets Animal Farm. Yeah, yeah. 19, <laughs> that's what I meant, Animal Farm. Thank you for catching So, that. basically, you're really derivative. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've read the book. I actually featured one of your books in one of my pieces, um, in one of the the last show I did, Docile Bodies, um, in the little uh, mise en scène that I'd set up, Mort was featured in there. It was oh, a little you. little cameo. Um, so I'm definitely a fan. Um, can you tell us a little more about some of the books that you, you? I think you've had another two books published since Mort. Yeah, so Mort is one of several books in a series called The War with No Name, and essentially it's about a war between humans and sentient animals. The main <laughs> character is a cat. He goes on a journey looking for his dog girlfriend, who was lost in the days before the uh, the big war. So it's it's a love story, but it's it's also talking about politics and religion and stuff like that. And then I have a middle grade book coming out soon, and it, and the main character of that one is a teddy bear, and my a teddy bear who fights monsters. So they're they're set advertising it as uh, um, Toy Story meets Stranger Things. I originally called it Toy Story meets Poltergeist, but my publicist, who's like 26 years old, is like, no, 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 old man. We don't know what Poltergeist yeah, is. Polter who? Yeah, exactly. So so that's called Spark in the League of Versus comes out soon, and it'll be traumatizing children soon, I hope. So I hope awesome. so, too. Yeah. I hope so, too. And, you know, I mean, your leanings as an author in this, you know, in the in the sci-fi kind of, you know, and your, and your uh, influences of dystopia... Uh, well, we're here, right? That's right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> we are uh, here. So your expertise as Advocatus Diaboli will be, uh, you know, much, uh, much, much used in this uh, particular uh, podcast where we're talking about those that want to save us from full-on dystopia. Um, and so with us, as always, uh, Gaius, uh, who, what are you doing now, Gaius? You know, it's a good question. <laughs> it's a good question. He is a provocateur and uh, a party of colors starting to uh, uh, say some things. Yeah. And so look out for party of color saying some things, asking some questions that some people don't want asked. Definitely. Uh, at party of color on IG. And Diane, uh, what are you working on these days? Um. Oh, I am. I've been taking increasingly glossier and glossier pictures of people, making them look cool. And, and, and you've been making money. I've been making money. 
I'm trying to keep the lights on for the revolution. <laughs> um, <laughs> the lights are important for yeah, revolution. Actually, I, yeah, revolution is a lot slower in the yeah. dark. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. You know, um, before the revolution happens, the revolution needs supplies. It needs a bunker. The bunker needs to be stocked. So, um, yeah. Uh, I'm uh, still suing people. You're still suing people. I'm still suing people, but uh, occasionally now I'm actually working as a defense attorney uh, for things. So it's uh, it's better money, but then I wonder if I'm not working for the little guy anymore. Like, am I losing my soul? So that's where I'm at uh, right now. I have a couple potential class action suits. To Great. To Tell someone else about it. <laughs> Tell someone else about it. Uh, okay, so let's uh, let's start with an attack on Bernie Sanders. He does not want to abolish ICE. Mm. Unlike his, uh, a lot of people are calling her his protege, which I feel like is an insult to her. her yeah, she totally. is, she, that's putting the cart before the horse because what she's doing is. And by she, you mean AOC. What she AOC is, is doing is what is informing and empowering people like Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. or Elizabeth Warren. Uh, it's the work on the ground. Yeah. It's the community organizing that if it works is going to work because of that. Exactly. And so I would put, I, I wouldn't say that she's a handmaiden or protege to anyone. I no. think she's teaching us. Yeah. Um, sure. More than more than anything. She's spearhead. So it doesn't yeah. it doesn't surprise me that the person, if you ask the cult of Bernie Sanders, he is always ahead of the curve. He's not. <laughs> He's not always ahead of the curve. Uh, and AOC shows that she wants to abolish ICE. Uh, he thinks uh, we need to restructure it uh, in a profound level, and uh, and so he stopped short of that. Elizabeth Warren has come out and said that she does want to abolish ICE. He says he wants to somehow convert uh, illegal or unauthorized border crossings into a civil matter, which I'm an attorney. I, I don't know what that means. Yeah, I think it's also just like a very. All right, so I'm going to break it down. For, break it down. For you Gen Zers and younger scale millennials, you may not realize this, but ICE, ICE hasn't always been around. ICE was created in 2003. Before that, we Tell used em. to have a thing called INS. Oh, we so grew up I in INS. See, yeah, yeah, that's what I th- yeah, my, yeah, green card, everyone, my green card was issued by INS. Yeah. Oh. INS is referenced in the movie Die Hard. Just remember. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so. And uh, that's a great that's, that's a great my, touchstone. That's, how, that's I think that's where I first heard it. <laughs> that was just a Rosetta Stone <laughs> kind of thing. Wow. Now you've brought so many people <laughs> yeah. to us here. Mm-hmm. Expanding our audience. Um so it's ridiculous that we can't like talk openly about what ICE's mandate was and what INS's mandate was, and how the two differ, and why ICE exists the way it is. Because also INS was not under Department of Homeland Security, which ICE is. So do ICE... we want to do like an Illuminati, like what the words mean? <laughs> yeah. So, so ICE is, is immigration, immigration and naturalization. Yeah, INS is Immigration and Naturalization Service. Right. It is a service. Yes. That's what I was going to say. A yes. service. For immigrants. And, yes. And it's, and it's about naturalizing them. Exactly. It was the whole point was to help people become citizens. And then they were like, uh, yeah, no, we don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. So then they changed it to ICE, which is, what is it? Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Enforcement. Yes. Mm-hmm. It ain't a service. It went from, yeah. It's not serving, serving immigrants. Yeah, exactly. Shoot. It is, <laughs> it is enforcing all over their asses. And then put 
under Department of And it allows Security. you to say some shit like Ice Cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it makes for a lot of good songs making fun of Ice. Uh, a lot of rallying cries it's, against it's, ICE. It's our modern day Gestapo, um, because I, I've not been spending throwing Molotovs. Well, I, I haven't been spending that much time on Facebook, but in the past two or three years, one of the things that I've seen grow increasing in popularity as far as posts is ICE warnings, where mm-hmm. there people have seen ICE going into different places like grocery stores, yeah. mm-hmm. any any place where. Mexican people might congregate in large groups like the Home Depot. Hey, be careful. Ice people were detained. And it's largely people. about creating a culture. I mean, yeah. It's a terrorizing effect. Yeah. Yes. It is uh, what they did with the plants down in, uh, was it Alabama? Yeah. Because when, when it, has it been okay to round up people without cause? Germany. And every place that has had an, every place that has had an ethnic cleansing, which is many, which are yeah. many. and it's happening right now. And Here. it's not it's just not as if INS didn't do raids because they did. But what happened after the raid was still vastly different than what I. And there was does usually some sort of a, li- a little throwback track, sort of a little thro- a little throwback like it track. Wasn't just yeah. Mexicans, it was Mexicans who were running. Some sort of, you know, meth lab. Or when something INS like did a raid, they 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 did a little throwback track called uh, "Due Process." Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> it's called giving the five year old an attorney. Exactly. As opposed to having the having the five year old answer uh, for their own. I mean, that's or saying that they're not responsible for sexual assault that happens in their camps to yeah. children. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. The rule used to be if you're a victim of uh, if you're a victim of a crime. Yeah. And you testify, you get protection, you get status because you're a victim of that crime. And then the argument is that if you don't, uh, if you are deterred from participating in uh, aiding us in getting criminals off the street, if there isn't, if you're, if there isn't a carrot, it's a deterrent because you are outing yourself as, as an immigrant, you're exposing yourself uh, as an undocumented immigrant. And so. In order to protect ourselves, we are giving you status. That way you can help us protect ourselves and put these people in jail. Instead, they decided to start arresting people outside of um, courthouses. Outside of courthouses if, they're at, if, they're, if they go to a hearing for unrelated uh, family matters, uh, speeding tickets, yeah. anything like that. Um, I'm going to write an article uh, that probably that might be featured on uh, Party of Color about the time I had to take uh, an undocumented uh, laborer to fight a uh, red light ticket. Uh, and I had to leave him in the car a block away um, just to make sure INS wasn't around. Then, uh, you know, give him the heads up and so he can come back through the parking lot and appear and answer this ticket. Um, and so, you know, I had to talk about that, that experience and the experience of many uh, undocumented immigrants who have to choose between participating in our justice system and being thrown out of the country that their legal kids are in, that their entire life is in, that they've invested in, that they pay taxes in. So, um, you know, there is a difference between INS and ICE. It's not accidental. Um, And abolishing ICE doesn't mean open borders. Yay! The framework is already there because we had something before ICE and it worked 
fairly well. Right. So it's not like, oh my God, if we get rid of ice, what would take its place? Like we, we already know how so that would work. The concern in a lot of the commentary about abolish ice, don't abolish ice is that this false, this straw man argument, which is if you abolish ice, you don't replace it with anything. We're not Republicans. When we uh, repeal something, we replace it. So, uh, you know, so the idea is always to put something in place there. There have to be agents at the border. We have to have control of our of the geographic integrity of our country. However, what they do when they intercept people and what what rights they these people get as human beings uh, when they become part of our system. That's uh, that's something where and and that's another good point, too, is that. So INS used to actually have dominion over what we now call CPB, Border Patrol, what ICE does, and the actual naturalization services. INS handled all of that. It was only after 9-11 and when the country collectively lost its Now it's homeland. Yeah, and now it's homeland. CPB has its own thing. And then specifically, the other part of naturalization has to be separated from what ICE does because they were like, we can't do our jobs effectively because ICE is so much in this punitive enforcement mindset that it makes it harder for us to provide the service of naturalizing citizens. So where's the beef? Is is it is he is Bernie Sanders for uh and the the argument that yeah. the Sanders camp makes about this is you say this shit, it's gonna incite Republicans and we can't get their votes, which really well, that's, you can't. You weren't going to. Which we're that's not. Getting not getting them anyway. And that's you're and Bernie that's, Sanders, bro. You're yeah. Bernie Sanders, bro. <laughs> your your whole thing is predicated on we don't need them. We just need to get us. So maybe you're being too cute. Uh, but is this a disqualifying offense? I don't think it's a disqualifying offense. It's just like if like what I'm attempting to do while saving my uh, own sanity is create like pros and columns, uh, pros and cons columns for. Everyone so, left, and I feel like this is a con against him. Could I? Uh, I actually, uh, as far as I know, Sanders has never put out a substantive defense or explanation of what exactly he plans to do. Has he written an op-ed or anything? No, by, it's by, it's all been res- in response to direct questions of would you abolish ICE? Yeah, and he said no, but we have to create profound changes, right? And what ICE does. Yeah. I, so the 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 where's the beef question is, is there he, beef? Yeah, what is yeah what is he actually proposing? And yeah. as far as like to me, it's we're way past the point where he should have. I mean, he's he's welcome to defend whatever his position actually yeah. is. I don't. It's not even clear like he's yeah. not clear what he has in mind, which is it a feels, great failure on the part of yeah. Him it feels disingenuous because he hasn't yeah. gone into depth and 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 not for nothing. She's got a plan for it. She actually uh, so uh, this isn't a compare them to, but. These are the two that are on the podcast. Elizabeth Warren does want to abolish ICE, and she has a plan for what to do afterwards, as opposed to the general policy statement of there must be profound changes. Now, I mean, I'm going to let him off the hook here, because really this is largely a semantic debate. This is what I call clickbait. This is creating creating a policy rift, creating a policy difference or distance when there largely isn't any between the two positions. Whether you call it ICE, whether you call an INS, nobody now, thinks it's right. Symbols, symbols matter. Yeah, and these names matter. Um, however, to convert this into a litmus test, yeah, 
for for whether or not you can vote for them at all. Yeah, it's silly. Yeah, it's silly. Well, also this is this election year has several third rail topics that that's kind of why we're doing this. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, I mean I, I don't know how long I've I've been voting for almost eighteen years now. Um, ESPN. And uh, I, I can say I can confidently say that every election that I've voted in, I've, I've kind of called. But previous elections were very easy to call. There was easy good guys, easy bad guys, um, and uh, there was always only one or two major topics that people were essentially deciding their vote on: gays, now, abortion, stem cells. Now that we are living in Gestapo Germany, every, there, so many groups are being are being uh, criminalized and victimized. Now it's basically a test of which baby do we want to kill first? And so it's it's not so much, oh, is this uh, is he really for ICE or against ICE? It's more like, is he more against ICE versus, you know, student loans? Rob, I thought <laughs> you were supposed to bring the dystopia. <laughs> because... Uh, I, see, see, I was the biggest fan, though. Like, so. you're, like, according to you, we're living in mouse. <laughs> Right now, <laughs> that's a that's a deep cut for the yeah, uh, for the cut. for the comic book nerds. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I think that I think we've given uh, all the attention that's necessary for this uh, non schism, non issue. Um, yeah, you know, um, it's not news that uh, Warren has a plan for something, and Sanders has his eye on. Very specific uh, economic social justice issues. That's what he's a he's a specialist. He's he's uh, he's keyed into those things. And she's a more uh, she has a more general approach, more holistic approach, yeah. more uh, out, outwork <laughs> yeah. policy wonk, out homework, and he's outrighteous. Uh, and so you know these are both good things. Uh, that we should all uh, kind of want in in a candidate, and they both have all of them. So we're not here to talk shit and and have you decide on one candidate or the other. But what we do want to do is arm you with the ability to call bullshit when somebody tries to uh, describe something as a wedge issue that really isn't. Yeah. So let's go on to an attack on Warren. Warren is secretly a conservative Republican, has been a Republican even as a grown-ass adult. Uh, and so uh, Politico had a cover article entitled, Liz was a die-hard conservative, which I find funny because uh, the word dies in there. <laughs> and um, I, from what I understand, she's alive. Yes, she is. And <laughs> no one has attempted to kill her, forcing her into being a liberal. So I think by its definition, she is not a diehard. Since she decided to become not a conservative by free will. Like, yeah. diehard Republicans like Wilbur Ross. Like, yeah, di- yeah diehard conservatives. Mitch McConnell, is a, Mitch McConnell <laughs> is a diehard piece of shit. Yeah. But, uh, so, so, all right. Already the title. You already fucked up. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, Politico. Um, so, uh, she only changed her party affiliation to Democrat in 1986 when she was 47 years old uh, and had just become a professor at Harvard. The article basically cites remarks from people who knew her in the 70s and 80s and some articles that were kind of free market oriented that she wrote 
um, in in scholarly journals. Um, really, nothing like Hillary being a Goldwater girl. Mm-hmm. When so she, she was, was Ainsley Hayes from the West Wing. Kind of like Ainsley. <laughs> no, but like Ainsley was already in politics. Uh, she, whenever they asked her about um, politics ideologically, she was an an ideologue. She yeah. wasn't a a diehard Republican or a diehard conservative or anything yeah, she like was that. A free market capitalist. She okay. was a free market capitalist. So okay. uh, she would she would have probably chafed at uh, any kind of labeling in that. Her she came. So one at, of those. I'm a Republican because my dad and everyone in my family is a Republican. And I don't have a reason to change. No, I don't think even she less even than that. Identified like specifically as Republican. Oh. Just like her values, especially when they became fiscally mm. skewed to the conservative side, because gotcha. she was a free market. I mean, let's 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 talk yeah. about her her words uh, themselves. I mean, you know, um, and, and by the way, some of the same people who said, "Oh, I knew her as a diehard uh, Republican," they say she wasn't very political, so yeah. she wasn't working on any campaigns, yeah. mm. so she wasn't actually in the you know a, a functionary in the franchise of trying to get a conservative elected. Yeah. She just wrote very pro uh, anti regulation uh, arguments. Uh, large-scale economic nerdy-ass fucking arguments that no one who writes this clickbait bullshit hackery uh, could Reads ever could, could ever fucking hand. read, <laughs> yeah. um, by the way. And so, um, you know, she uh, said about herself, um, and, by, and by the way, she says that she had a come-to-Jesus moment where she became a Democrat, and that was when she finally studied actual cases mm-hmm. of bankruptcy. When she actually interviewed people going through the bankruptcy, mm-hmm. uh, bankruptcy situations, and in in the and and in the beginning, she viewed them. Um, well, I'll, I'll let her speak for herself. Yeah. In her own words, she said, "I set out to prove that the people filing for bankruptcy were all a bunch of cheaters." She recounted in a 2007 art, uh, interview in on the California on University of California television. My take on this, my thrust. What uh, what I was going to do is I was going to expose these people who were taking advantage of the rest of us by hauling off to bankruptcy and just charging debts that they really could repay or who, uh, who'd been irresponsible in running up to debts. But what she ended up finding is that uh, the, the abuse of the system by people like that was rare and um, that the filings, bankruptcy filings, weren't, uh, you know, weren't skyrocketing. Because everybody said, oh, yeah, here's a way to, you know, not pay any of your debts. Uh, But instead, that there were larger, uh, you know, larger movements afoot, economic uh, movements afoot that rigged the system against consumers, against people who took out loans, Mm -hmm. against people who were just trying to get healthy through the healthcare system. And that all of these things were actually that all of these big ticket items were created to create debt slaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that's what she found out when she actually studied it. When she actually spoke to these people, it's easy to believe in a, in a welfare queen until yeah. you meet someone on welfare yeah. who's hustling, who's really working hard. And then you start thinking about it a, a little differently. And I don't believe that uh, Ronald Reagan ever hung out with people on welfare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's where that comes from. But anyway... Um, so this attack that, and it's a largely an attack lobbed from, I hate to use the term, Bernie bros, uh, but it's a largely attack from the uh, 
militant wing of the Bernie party mm-hmm. uh, saying that Bernie has always been right. Yeah. He walked out of the womb and said, <laughs> uh, and he took seven steps uh, as, a, as a baby, and he said, I will uh, take the foot of capitalism off the neck of the worker. That that's what happened. They believe he is the way, the truth, and the light forever and ever. Amen. So they say, oh, she just started to become progressive. She's now really a progressive. Yeah. Bernie, you saw him get arrested in black and white with messed up hair, already having a receding <laughs> hairline when he was 18. Uh, he's in the black and white. He is, he's been forever a true believer. And she just came to it. What do you think about this attack? I mean, I respect the fact. Like to me, it's like it speaks more to the fact that she was able to change her worldview on her own by doing her own research. Like, I think most people do that across their life growing up, and mm-hmm. I think it would be a disingenuous to like say that someone can't grow as a person as they get more experience and that's add why, to their that's why we do this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It's about, that's a whole it's about redemption. Yeah. Yeah. It's so about showing I, everyone I humanity. Think it's hmm. Like, hey, and. The second part of that is it's not like she changed her political quote unquote affiliation to be more electable in a certain district. Like she did this before she was like running (laughs) before she was running for any office. Yeah. It's like she actually just understood, like, oh, like this is how the system I've been promoting has affected these people that I wasn't aware of before now. And she shifted on her own. I think that's a fucking huge deal. I used to love Ayn Rand. And then I got older, and I realized, like, wait, this is woman's kind of fucked up. There's yeah, when you tease this yeah. out, when you tease <laughs> yeah. this out. Yeah, if you th- I keep like, learning more and more things about people <laughs> that I thought I knew. Yeah. First of all, this is this is almost twenty five years ago. Yeah. So so like half the Bernie Bros weren't born. Yeah. yeah. Forty seven. Forty seven sound old. Sounds old, but yeah. when you think she's seventy one. Yeah. That was a long ass time ago. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's not. It's nowhere near as cynical as like our current president. All of a sudden, saying he's pro-life when a few years earlier he said when well, he's yeah. paid for abortion, yeah. Yeah. he has the receipts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing, I having not read this article, and maybe you could speak to it more. Um, my guess is that this article probably doesn't go into much detail about how in the mid '90s there were still a good number of actual centrist Republicans. Now, today, Rockefeller Republicans. Yeah, yeah. Today, when we say centrist Republicans, we mean Weaselly people who say they disapprove of Trump, but then still vote for him anyway. They, yeah. They've uh, always they, been together. They, they were called Rockefeller Republicans before uh, Reagan, yeah. And then during Reagan, they got they were called uh, Reagan Democrats, yeah. And these are people who um, don't particularly like being taxed. Uh, are socially, hey, you do you, yeah. so long as it's mm-hmm. not in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Well, at the time of this article, in 1996... As long as black people can't get loans. Right. <laughs> the, the governor of New Jersey, Christy Whitman, and the governor of Pennsylvania, Tom Ridge, were both pro-choice. And I can't yeah. even imagine a Republican governor. Yeah. Are there any Republican George governors? George H.W. Bush was pro-choice. Yeah. yeah. So this is... Ronald a- Reagan was pro-choice. <laughs> yeah. Right. And pro-gun regulation. He was, pro-cho- <laughs> he was pro-choice before Nancy... Um, started feeding him, uh, you know, jelly beans. Yeah, and the fact that, I mean, even her critics here are saying that she changed her mind because she did research. It wasn't like one of these Republicans <laughs> yeah. who, who like, oh, I, I found out one of my kids is gay and now I'm cool with gay people. It's like, <laughs> yeah. well, that's good. I'm glad you changed your mind. Or but- Nancy Reagan being pro-stem cell yeah. as soon as Ronald Reagan dies of a something that yeah. Yeah. stem cell research could have prevented. Right, yeah. right. All of a sudden, government funding is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. This is her... 
talking to real people yeah. and right. making the change the way we want people to make change. Yeah. We want people to go to the people who are harmed by their callousness, right? And and I even appreciate the fact that like her her realization wasn't even like a confirmation bias. Like she went into it trying to prove the obvious mm -hmm. and she still didn't let that blind. By her this, she, she saw, proved. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> By this, she proved that she is capable of overcoming confirmation exactly. bias, which is something that we cannot say of almost everyone in politics yeah. right now. Or almost would, everyone in the world right now. I would love yeah. to get her on, on this podcast. The, actually, one of my students interviewed her, so that's not... Okay, now, I knew you were trying to decide between uh, marijuana and wine here. <laughs> but when did I miss you taking a hit of crack? <laughs> hey, listen, I'm a little more connected than, than, than you might think. Um, she is campaigning, of course, uh, in Ohio, which Andy and I used to live in, which is a battleground state, so... You make friends there, and you know um, one of my former students actually has a full time job uh, of photographing all the people who um, uh, who pass through Ohio to campaign. You mean Iowa or Ohio? Ohio. Okay. Ohio. Um, so did I say Iowa? Sorry. No, no, you oh, said Ohio. Ohio. So um, you know we could, we probably pass on some of these questions, but I've it's been interesting. Uh, hearing what people on the ground have said in Ohio about her as far as the way that she's campaigning. She's definitely learning from the Hillary debacle and she's not taking people for granted. So it seems to support this idea of an intelligent person who is making thoughts and decisions in the way that we would like them to, which yeah. is based on research and... Yeah, the, I mean, the fundamental ethos behind this show is the idea that learning things, evolving your position, finding out you're wrong, or finding out that there's more humanity in another person than you thought there was, yeah. um, opening your heart, uh, allowing you to love the enemy, uh, all of these very Christian things that none of us are really Christians anymore, but, <laughs> but all of these really Christian ideals. Uh, you know, and one of the most venerated saints uh, ever, um, I believe it was Ignatius, uh, who said... Um, Lord, grant me chastity, but not just yet. Um, <laughs> it was Augustine. It was Augustine. Good, good Catholic boy. It was yeah. Augustine. Yeah, St. Yeah, Augustine who said, you know, grant, grant, me, grant me chastity, but not just yet. I still got some hoes sure. that, sure. that I haven't been to yet. Uh, and so, you know, the idea that she could um, reverse course um, is something that we want to see rather than doubling and tripling down on a bad idea. Yeah. Um, to me, that's a virtue. Or also dumbing down the conversation for votes, yeah, which right. is another thing that I'm looking Pandering. at as far as candidates. Yeah. Because as much as I would love to abolish ICE as much as anyone, I also understand that the process is complicated. Yeah. And just because you know a bill looked good when it was first written... Um, after it goes through the floor isn't a good bill. I want the person who I'm voting for to change their mind, but not be forced into um, upholding something that isn't really great just because it's So really not quick, is this, right a, is this a disqualifying attack? Um, 
No, I, I mean, I, I think we've we've yeah. we've seen unanimous that this attack is disingenuous. Yeah. It's exaggerated. Saying she's a by terror. acclamation, <laughs> this is uh, this is a bullshit clickbait attack, yeah. and uh, anyone who tries to it seems to have backfired. If anything, because as yeah. we're discussing, like like yeah. they're criticizing her for changing her well, mind by thing, learning I mean, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This is the thing. So so Rob, this room is different than outside this room. While the four of us have handily dealt with this um i don't think anybody's discussing it at this depth and so i hear this attack all day every day you know he's a true believer she's john janie come lately he's a true believer i hear this attack all day every day and i'm just like you know this conversation Mm -hmm. is not happening else uh, elsewhere um i I, we hope y'all who are listening can maybe have this kind of a conversation with someone who brings this attack up. Yeah, I think it's also, like, it's a great segue into what we'll discuss next, because if you want to use this argument against her, then it should be fair game to use the same argument against Bernie in our next topic. Mm. Which is, Bernie has mixed views on gun control, or to say it another way, uh, Bernie loves guns. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, Bernie, at one time, had a A rating from the NRA. Uh, he constantly flaunts, I have a D minus rating from the NRA. Uh, he flaunts that That's now. Good so well. That's pretty good. <laughs> he flaunts that now that he has a D minus rating. Uh, but the attacks say uh, uh, opponents in, in, in the past cycle, in the past primary cycle, uh, Hillary Clinton and Martin O'Malley attacked Sanders, uh, passed votes against. Uh, the bill in 93 that would establish national background checks uh, and for a bill in 2003 and 2005 that protected gun companies from lawsuits if their products were used in crime. Uh, Sanders, an independent from rural gun-friendly Vermont, defended the virtues of moderation on this issue, arguing, we need sensible debate about the gun control, which overcomes the cultural divide that exists in this country. And I think... I can play an important role in this. So a lot of the same kind of, we've heard this before. Trust me, I've got a plan to do it. It's profound. Uh, this is, you know, a little bit of the MO of, no, no, I'm going to do it. Just trust me about it. Uh, since then, he's co-sponsored bills, uh, expanding background checks, uh, banning assault weapons, uh, uh, prohibiting domestic abusers from being able to get firearms. Um, encouraging the passage of red flag laws uh, and restricting 3D gun printing. This is all, by the way, from a Vox article. We want to, you know, cite our sources. Uh, and uh, you know, some at some point we'll be able, you'll be able to click on it when we get a website. Uh, <laughs> he also uh, doesn't think all firearms. So, so what what he said here that is interesting that I do feel like we have to parse out is yeah. he co-sponsored bills to expand background checks. Uh, and he wants to pre- prevent domestic abusers from getting firearms. But what if your domestic abuser already has a firearm? Yeah. Now, if you don't have a regime that makes every single firearm in America something that is registered, then it doesn't touch that. Yeah. So if your boyfriend already had a firearm, it can't get taken away because they don't know enough to take it away, depending on how you do the red flag law. But yeah. the bottom line is there will be holes. Yeah. There will be inconsistencies. There will be inefficiencies. Mm-hmm. And that the only way to really do this effectively is a 
is to have a full universal uh, registry and background check, which Bernie Sanders to this day has opposed. Yeah. I agree. About Bernie. what? I said like 80 things. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I agree with Bernie's position on opposing that. Here we go. But also, I... Because of what? No, tell us. Because yeah, I, I think <laughs> the way that we talk about gun control in this country is fundamentally flawed. You want we, a gun. Oh, hell yeah, I want a gun. <laughs> All the guns. And you should. Yo, no, no. And, and wait, wait. I, but I'm you should register reason... your gun. Yeah, no, maybe. No. Well, if you don't know. If you, no, if no, you, you definitely should if register. You if if you don't know Diane, if you don't know Diane, Diane is a uh, independence and freedom above all else individual. I mean, she's one step away from claiming And she doesn't like the idea of Rob's, you know, Rob's uh, dystopian 1984. <laughs> Uh, bun- bunnies and rabbits, and bunnies right and there. rabbits coming to take your guns, yeah. uh, kind of situation happening. No, I, I'm under the position if they got guns, I want guns too. And I uh, think everyone should be registered. However, I think the way that we talk about gun control is fundamentally flawed because it sidesteps the actual issue. So in the situation with, with the whole uh, domestic violence, um, uh, domestic violence thing. If this person does not have a gun, he will still be a domestic violence perpetrator with or without a gun. And the problem is... Why do we need to ban assault rifles? People can just stab a whole bunch of people in a crowd, right? No, not the same thing. Same argument. We have a white supremacy problem in this country that is backed by guns. Yes, and And, therefore we should be registering Let's know how many guns guns they have. But registering the the guns doesn't solve the problem that at the end of the day... Just because it doesn't solve a problem doesn't doesn't mean something we shouldn't do. Yeah. No, but what it does is that it sidesteps the issue and it manipulates the conversation to avoid talking about the real issue. And the real issue is that gun control generally helps white people and hurts black gun ownership more this than segment of the, <laughs> this our, our executive this segment of the no, show gun control, brought to I, you I would, I would because if i have a registered gun the, right now and i pull it out fully and legally like in a state like ohio i'm still going to get shot but that's mm-hmm. not a registration issue that's just a perception issue mm-hmm. yeah but because something but, bad but what keeps us from talking about the other the way that it plays out in public discourse i feel that one keeps us from talking about the other I don't agree, and okay. I, I fully disagree with your idea that gun control uh, favors white Wait, supremacy. Okay. So gun control you, actually you, favors. Do you think if we fully register, if everybody fully registers every gun, then there will be a uh, uh, that the police, who are a Gestapo now, mm-hmm. uh, according to you, that are this close to knocking down even this door, <laughs> as soon as they know which black people have guns, they know which ones to set up and which ones to kill. Is that what you believe? That's part of what I believe. Okay. Yes. That's um, where that's where we It's kind of like what they were doing in Michigan when they were flip-flopping on legalization. They would have everyone um sign up to uh go to like say, "Oh, I'm I'm a habitual weed smoker." And then you would go through the process and get your your um your your uh card. Your your medical marijuana yeah. card, and then they would change the laws, and then now they have a nice nice big register of of people who openly say that they smoke weed, and they can just go go arrest them. Okay, but still, weed doesn't. So then kill fix other that. People. Yeah, fix yeah. the police like, thing. Owning yeah. guns is such a big part of white supremacy that I'd rather us have a registry. When of did all gun? Of them. When when did all of this uh, gun control start? 
Modern gun control? Modern gun control. When the Black Panthers got it? Yeah, well, when Black Panthers got it. When Black Panthers started open carry. And then walking around with a bunch of shotguns. Yeah. Very legal. So you're equating gun control with bad. When the fact of the matter is, they were going to kill us anyway. Listen, no, listen, listen. They're going to kill us. The people who killed the people who killed the Black Panthers, Uh they didn't invent killing black people. Yeah, no, they did not. Killing in black people is one of the oldest traditions in the United States of America. And and to be clear, it predates the United States of America. Which is why why tighter gun control is going to stop it. First person to be killed on behalf of the idea, the concept. Of America was a black man because thirty fucking dudes threw snowballs. They shot the one black guy. Yeah, yeah. Not for nothing. If there's snow in Boston, yeah. you can't see the white guys. You can see yeah. the black guys. So he maybe, was, uh, was, yeah, maybe he I'll was standing on that bridge <laughs> out in the open. It's not. Uh, okay, that's this is a very interesting right. topic. Keep in mind, keep in mind, I was I listen before I moved to Ohio. I was very anti-gun. I'm, I'm, and this is as a born and bred New Yorker who did not grow up in a gun culture whatsoever. I was very anti gun. A few nights of only hearing crickets, and you were like, "I need a gun." <laughs> no, a few, no, a few nights of Living uh, the around Toledo other white tactical society being down the block from me, watching my neighbors arm themselves to a T. Like, I might have a gun if I lived a block away from the Toledo tactical, tactical society. society. Where we're taking Toledo back. From who? Everybody, there's been a huge brain drain. It's like, all you know, y'all in Toledo! <laughs> everyone's left. <laughs> now people are coming back, but at the time that I was living in Toledo, the downtown was completely desolate. It was just empty uh, storefronts, and, and everybody's kids went to college, left, and never came back. So taking them back from who? I had no idea. Okay. So here's I'm glad the I, second season will still have wild shit in it. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. I I get where you're coming from. And you cannot have just like pretty much every other topic we talk about on the show and in politics in general. You can't have that discussion without talking about how race plays into it. Gun control is like you said, it's mainly based on race. Like but think about this. If gun control actually benefited white supremacy why do they fight so hard against it why are there grown men cosplaying gi joe walking through virginia state house and kentucky they just did yesterday they would quietly open carrying support, the day before yeah, charlotte they would first quietly they came for the niggers and i wasn't a nigger so i didn't say nothing <laughs> they would but then quietly they came support for us. it then but, they came for our guns i mean could could but there okay. but here's the thing and this is the other part, like black people in this country. This is, this is another thing. White people are afraid of us because they can't fathom the idea that we wouldn't want full revenge for what we've been subjected to for the last. But how many other things years. has white supremacy but, made people stupid for? Like, so Rob, Rob can, you, <laughs> Rob, can you speak for all white people? <laughs> finally, finally, a white perspective. Uh, I, <laughs> I was, <laughs> I was actually just gonna say, just just uh, as a diplomatic thing, like, could we could we at least um, get you to a point where you could say, like, whatever the, the concerns are about registration, because obviously what you're talking about is terrifying. The yeah. idea that the idea that the government could could collate all these names and then use it for some nefarious purpose later is is not that implausible. Yeah. But I would I would just say in general, I think the benefits of registration would outweigh. still outweigh yeah. these concerns you have. And as uh, a yeah. 
That's a, where I am. That's where as a health issue. As a health issue, we would do better. Yes. If it For wasn't. me, it's more of an all or nothing issue. Either all of us have Clearly. guns or none of us have guns. And so, I think that's the only way to solve it. So but when we get. To, get well, tell when we me get, you are a good person with a gun person? No, I'm not a good person with a gun. <laughs> it's either we all have guns or we don't have. Or, or, or all of us have guns or none of us have guns. And I want to level the playing field. But when we get caught up in semantics in the middle. This totally win. unworkable uh, policy statement has been brought to you by the NRA. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think so, where we are now is is the registration. Like, like because right now I, we're getting caught up in wh- whether registration is good or whether registration is bad or, or all these semantics. I mean, that's what the issue and meanwhile, people semantics. are still dying at the hands right, of lone let's, white gunmen. Let's vote <laughs> because let's, they let's, didn't have to register to get guns. Let's make a statement no, on all this. All of these guns they Let, get legally and they're still shooting people. Yes, guys, exactly. They get them legally because guys, they can register. We didn't even get to the fucking on stage beef. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, dudes, let's go. Yeah, so we'll we're gonna do, start with Rob. Yeah. Is this a dismissible uh, uh, topic? Is this something you should consider when you're voting? Or is this a disqualifying sin? Uh, this is something I'm willing to consider when talking about Bernie, if he is the, the um, nominee. But, but overall, from what I'm seeing here and what I, what I know about it, it seems like this is another case where his policy has evolved. In general, I would say that maybe this is... <laughs> lowered expectations here, but I would say that he's gun control enough for me to say that I, I would be okay with voting for him, despite some criticism of certain That's a good things. way to catch it. Yeah, I think that's the way I would, I would yeah. do it. What, what would you say? Yeah. Uh, is it is it uh, an, an irrelevant issue? Is it something to consider? Yeah. Or is it uh, disqualifying? No, I think it's totally relevant to consider, uh, but no more than Elizabeth Warren in our previous discussion on conser- her previously being considered more conservative. I think Sure, take it into account, but like, it's not a disqualifying thing. So dismiss this idea, consider it, or this disqualifies it. Uh, I think this is irrelevant. Okay, I'm gonna say that this is something I consider. Obviously, this is definitely you know this wouldn't make the call for me. I think uh, this would be uh, you know a feather in my cap, something that I'd say to differentiate. Maybe if somebody wanted to talk about this issue, I would maybe talk about it but i wouldn't make a call on this but it's something to consider for me so let's go to the next topic let's just go to uh what uh what an entire half of america wants to talk about which is pocahontas uh according to warren and her brothers uh her older family members they told them during their childhood that they had native american ancestry um and uh, she said in several speeches in 2012, she said, being a Native American has been a part of my story, uh, I guess, since the day I was born. My, my Warren is not as good as my Bernie, well, but I'll work on don't it. Don't try. I'll work on <laughs> it. I'll work on it. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. That's, that's all I can do. Uh, and so uh, Warren contributed recipes to a Native American cookbook. Yikes. Identifying herself as a Cherokee. Uh, and uh, WAPO uh, reported that in 86, Warren identified her race as American Indian on a state bar of Texas write-in form used solely for statistical information gathering, um, but added that there was no indication that it was used for professional advancement. Uh, a comprehensive Boston Globe investigation done while she was running against Scott, whatever that truck 
Jackass's name. Scott Brown? Scott Brown or something. Yes, uh, I think it's Scott Brown. Uh, So they did an investigation about this, and they said that she never used... uh, She never... uh, she never used her ethnicity to get a job, get a post. She never used it in any applications for anything that she got. She never got any special treatment um, because of that. But she used it as a, I can't believe fe- a feather in my cap. Bad, bad. <laughs> bad. So, so, she was, so she was dying. Feather. I didn't Rachel's say headdress. Home. You <laughs> did. Uh, so, yeah, no. Um, and, uh, well, because of this, uh, our favorite fella, uh, Donald Trump, started to uh, used the same line. I think uh, Scott Brown initially was the creator of the Pocahontas attack during their uh, uh, during their campaign when he got beat by Elizabeth Warren, yeah. uh, and he started on the uh, you, I can't say campaign trail because he started it while he was already president, mm-hmm. uh, calling her Pocahontas, and she was successfully goaded in mm-hmm. to responding. And uh, by releasing DNA, uh, a DNA test in October uh, that showed she there was a strong possibility that she had a Native American ancestor six to ten uh, generations back. Yeah. So six generations is like a hundred years. Yeah. So like a uh, hundred to a hundred and fifty years yeah. ago. She had a Native American uh, in her family. Yes. Uh, so um, she has then she got a bunch of attacks about it, uh, about her uh, trivializing what it meant to, uh, first of all, fronting, perpetrating yeah. like it was this huge part of her life. It was a huge part of her story. It was yeah. a huge part of her mythos. Yes. It's something that she told anyone who would want to ask about it's it's something that white people love to say whether they have yeah. truth or not well, white people I mean, love to say to be fair black people love to say oh black, black <laughs> people love to say it black people anyone born it. with anyone born with a little bit easier to deal with hair goes oh got she got indian. cherokee yeah. i got indian in me yeah so uh you know it's a very central thing it's a part of the mythos of american when these when these tests came out yeah. everybody was like oh, well you know i got a little uh, a little. Uh, I actually, for I believe it was my 35th birthday, I had a DNA test mm-hmm. birthday party where uh, a dozen of my friends uh, and all their friends came. So, but a dozen of us actually took the DNA test at the same time, didn't look at the results, and we revealed the results on the Jumbotron in a, a bar that my friend managed. And so we reviewed. So you did your own racial draft. We did our yeah. <laughs> we like, and the winner is we had everybody guess what they were. Everyone guessed that they had Native American. Yeah. And I mean, most people did. Most of the white people, the you know the the Jews were like, I'm Ashkenazi. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like 98. percent Let's uh, you know the survey says, <laughs> and it was like 98. percent You're you're a Jew. Um, but uh, uh, I actually got 10 percent uh, Native American. Uh, all throughout the the southwest of America and the Pacific coast of Mexico. Um, That's where apparently my Native American ancestors are from. Uh, I'm actually more black than I am Native American. I am uh, 12% African. Uh, in this DNA test. For those of you who don't know what Restrepo looks like. White! <laughs> Super white passing. Super white Hispanic passing. Man. Beautiful Cherokee hair, apparently. <laughs> he's, he's got senator hair. 
Like, he does. <laughs> you do. And it's good. The hairline's yeah. not like receding yeah. at all. I'm really pleased that I'm turned turned forty. No, 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 no recession up there. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, but. So, I mean, these DNA tests. Yeah. No, I'm glad you started. Everybody the, claims yes. some. I'm glad you started the discussion that way. Because I had, I've been torn as someone with slightly more Native American blood than Elizabeth Warren, apparently. Like, to your point, it it is a thing that is part of, like, family mythos that's passed down. And you have to look at it in the context. Elizabeth Warren's 71. I'm, like, 38. Like, 23 and me and these other services have only been around the last like four to five years at most. And so before that, the only thing you had to go by was what your family told you. So absolutely. And most native American tribes, yes. Um, they, they take membership in yeah. their tribes. They take it very seriously. Yes. Uh, and there's the, a lot of hoops you have to go through to become officially recognized yeah i mean as a tribe by the government according to trump all you have to do is say it and we've all seen the clips of trump saying they don't look like indians to me yeah um but uh but yeah so uh and most of the tribes um this it's been reported listen i don't know because i don't know most of the tribes but uh uh that they downplay DNA evidence yes. as what they want to talk about. It's much more cultural. It's much more cultural, passed down cultural, oral tradition, yeah. tradition. If you were raised in the tradition, yes. if you got to, uh, you know, if if that was a part of your upbringing, if that was a part of the core values that you had, um, if being a part of that community was important to your parents and your parents' parents and your parents' parents' parents, that was more important. Yeah. And so what this DNA thing did was it was gauche yes. it was it was it was attempting to quantify a thing that shouldn't be quantified and it was trivializing and, yes. what it meant to be native american yes. for native americans uh, and that was one of the attacks on it and my my biggest the biggest thing that frustrated me was the fact that like you said he successfully goaded her into like responding to this at all like like when i saw that she was like oh i'm gonna take a I was like, why? Why? You the political don't? head yeah, said yeah. that the mistake wasn't yeah. claiming it. Yeah. Right? Because there was a plurality of Native Americans who said, I've got no problem with her claiming it. Yeah. You know, we all know that we're woven into the fabric of America. Yeah. Um, so a lot of Native Americans, uh, activists, and, and it's leaders. It's in the name, Native did American. It. I mean, growing up <laughs> yeah. in Queens, I remember that. Uh, the way that I grew up around white people, white people claiming that ethnicity was back in the eighties and nineties was kind of like their low key way of saying, Hey, I'm not one of those I'm cool. white people. Yeah, yeah. I'm cool. I'm one of you. You know, there would always be that white person's like, I'm 2% oh, yeah, one I'm, of you. you know, I'm 2% Puerto Rican or whatever, <laughs> yeah. just to kind of show they were down. Yeah. Was it politically correct? But at the time that was the way to kind of, it was either, it was either that or like, um, I grew up around, or I yeah. grew up around black yeah. people. Or my best and, friend in, my, in elementary school. I mean, school later on, that was wasn't black. good enough. Yeah. Because that because then it became this kind of way of getting out of racial accountability. Yeah. But for a time being, yeah. when this was being discussed, you know, that was kind of the way to show, hey, I'm down. So the bigger knock wasn't just, wasn't playing games with identity or trivializing the Native American experience. The bigger knock by most political heads was, this is someone who can be goaded in. Yeah. To and I think that's traps. very fair. And that is a very fair assessment. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm easily goaded. 
I am a goader, but I'm never running for political office <laughs> for that reason. Um, like, we, we need cooler heads. Um, I have a friend, Colin Hicks. He listens. Uh, uh, he's been in politics for a while. And uh, he told me uh, New Year's last year that um, she's done because of this. Because this shows that her decision-making uh, ability, um, it's just she's she took a big hit and he didn't think she could survive it. He told me uh, just uh, two months ago that, you know, he was wrong and that she was able to, uh, through work, through putting out policy statements, yeah. through uh, working past this and through making amends, she was able to get past this issue. And because it was a non-issue to begin with. Well, so this is what she did. Um, I know that I've made a mistake. I'm sorry for the harm that I caused. I listened and I have learned. And she said that, she made that statement um, at a, uh, let me read this, I have this. She, uh, at the Frank LaMare Native American Presidential Forum in Sioux City, Iowa. Um, she went there, she participated she sat there. She listened. She let him take her to the woodshed. Yeah. And then she made that mea culpa uh, that I just read for you. And for what it's worth, she got a standing ovation. Yeah. And, uh, for and not for nothing, that's essentially what we've said is the path to redemption to everyone we've talked about so far on this show. If you've listened on this show, the path to redemption is not saying, I'm sorry to the people I may have hurt. Yeah. Don't say may have hurt, yeah. because that is shedding responsibility. Yeah. You say, I'm sorry for the harm that I, I have caused. caused. Yeah. So you don't say, I'm sorry if you got offended. Yeah. That's but America likes to be mad, and America likes to stay mad. Yeah, if it serves the answer that they wanted to put forward anyway. So you can never forgive if the point is discrediting Elizabeth Warren. The point is to just you don't you don't need a reason. Just like you don't need a reason to acquit Donald Trump. The point is you have to do it, yeah. so you do it. Yeah. Even if your answer, even if your answer is Dershowitz is an incredible, uh, uh, an incredible scholar by his argument. Come on, come on, come on, this, come on. So you know, I mean, uh, if you start with the answer, you don't need a process. You know, uh, and so, um, so, so I guess we have to break this down in two parts. Yeah. Uh, like Gaia said, uh, we have to break this down into two parts. What do you think about um, the the sin of the offense against Native Americans for trivializing what it means to be a Native American and trivializing their experience? Do you think she has redeemed herself? Yes, because I, I don't think up until she took the DNA test, I don't think she was committing a sin. Mm -hmm. I think she was going off the information that she was given by her family. Which, Oral history. Which most Americans did up until, like I said recently, when we could just, like, send off for a DNA test kit and you can have, like, you know, quantifiable proof. So, you know, also, again, knowing that she's 71 now, she lived most of her life under the under that assumption. paradigm. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think she committed any wrongdoing until she gets into the next point of she allowed herself to get goaded into this. I, I mean, I think there is an original sin and uh, I think there's original sin in this country in, in what we did to native Americans. Yeah. And I think one of the vestiges of that original sin 
is trivializing the idea that it's this cute thing that white people can put on yeah. by yeah. claiming those roots. Yeah. Um, it's a cute thing to claim the roots. It's a exculpatory thing to claim the roots. Uh, it's a device. Um, and so I do actually think it is something. Okay. I think it is. I think it is something that she did. However, she did what we wanted them to do. Right. We've always said, go to the people you've harmed. Yeah. And listen to them. Listen to their experience. Listen to their story. Um, go to the woodshed, and then you know, tell them. They, tell them you know what you did wrong. Yeah. Uh, explain it to them, uh, and then if they embrace you, um, then you can turn and face me in the eyes, and I, I have no problem with you. Yeah. And I, that standing ovation was enough uh, for me. Yeah. You know, what do you think, Rob? Yeah, I didn't have much to add to this one because I had viewed this issue as being largely resolved. Um, I mean, she's going to, you know, she wins the Before nom- the DNA. Um, well, I would say since the okay. uh, well, apology. Yes. Yeah, since yeah. the apology, okay. Um, you know, I, I agree that, you know, she did exercise bad judgment. Um, but, you know, it, it seemed to me like she was using this largely as an anecdotal thing to throw out there, which doesn't excuse we it. all have our own personal myths yeah yeah, yeah. Our, our canned material that we tell every time we yeah, meet somebody yeah, yeah. and i would assume as well that in addition to not having the dna information she also the the people who gave her that information i'm assuming were long since dead so even in the midst of this she probably couldn't go to them and really like clarify and say what do you further. mean cherokee yeah. yeah 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 so like um I'm sh- I I have a feeling that contributed to her decision to do this to, to be goaded into i mean never know that she's from oklahoma and yeah. so if you ever yeah. met anybody from Oklahoma, the entire state swears they are yeah. some part, you know, if if you have three generation roots in Oklahoma, if you have a grandpa from Oklahoma, you swear you are a quarter. Yeah. You there's nothing less than a quarter. Yeah. Uh, Chances if you, are if you have a grandpa. His grandfather raped an Indian once. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, uh, because we know the, uh, the other way that that Indian would not live to procreate much longer, uh, if he ever, uh, touched a white woman. I mean, it, like you can look at also the DNA results and especially. Sure. For, and they know it's matrilineal. Yeah. Patrilineal. Especially for white people. You can actually find the yeah, rapist yeah. through DNA. Um, and so, all right. So we all think, uh, I mean, do, do you think the first part of it before we get to the, the, the strategic bumble, the first part of it, the identity. You know what it is, is that uh, something about it always rubbed me the wrong way. Um, one of those like canary in a coal mine type things. I was always kind of rubbed the wrong way that it was part of her political. Um, uh, it was contrived. It was contrived because um, when you are create, there's your personal mythology, the kind of mythology you share over wine with friends mm-hmm. in the privacy of your living room, whatever. That's your business. But when you start creating a public myth uh, mythology, this goes through focus groups. This goes through well, marketing. Well, what this... politician doesn't create a public mythology? No, they all do. And including that, I thought, was something that was really tone deaf in a way that makes me yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It, it's one thing for it to to be in your personal mythology. It's another thing to go through several focus groups and and be writing speeches. Well, she learned. Yeah. Do you, yeah. yeah, we and all we I, all I agree think, that she learned yes. the nature of that mistake. I think you think it's it has a racial to... pass on the political campaign? I, I I don't know. That's something I mean, that gives me reservations. Yeah, I think it's fair to point out too, like something. That I think only our generation and subsequent generations have gotten to a point of feeling comfortable pointing out is 
using passing more than just like black people passing is white and like acknowledging that even like Juan when you say you're like Latino Hispanic like you're like but I'm passing as white so I know mm-hmm. that like even me versus like you know someone who looks more like Taino or like, yeah no I have to say I have yeah. to say white passing before I say anything racial yeah. and so I think even if you don't hear it imperceptibly if you slow it down yeah <laughs> below my breath I'm going white passing yeah and then I say racial so shit. Skipping that step in telling her story and mythos is like kind of like the bigger, yeah, like yeah. it's a bigger evil. Not yeah. acknowledging that it's something she can put on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so, all right, we all think that's. I mean, for what it's worth, it's something to consider. But to the extent that she redeemed herself, maybe she neutralized the issue. And I don't take public standing ovations as. As as giving people a pass because people you mean as, Hitler as you mean Hitler wasn't right because he got a bunch of standing <laughs> ovations. Nope, as a performer, even coordinated hand gestures are easily manipulated. Oh. Easily Native manipulated. Americans are not a monolith. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I'm glad that was said because that would be a I mean, very real attack on this. There's uh, Native episode. Americans that support the Redskins keeping the name Redskins. So as, a, yeah, as a former true. slam poet, I can tell you. How easily a crowd can be uh, manipulated by just repeating right. the same thing. Three so, times. what do we think about the strategic error of being jumping to Trump's jibe? Yeah, I. It still blows my mind. Like I, I'm confused as to how a grown ass adult would get like sucked into that. Like it seemed so obvious to me. I get sucked into but these did, things but every didn't, day. But, okay, okay. <laughs> but let's 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 go back a little bit. Yeah, you're all watching TV. You're all buy a TV that you did not tune it to that. But Donald Trump is talking. It snuck into your fucking vision. And Donald Trump says, Pocahontas. Can you believe it? Pocahontas. Pocahontas. Now, you hear him saying that. Or is your skin not crawling? Is your blood not boiling? But it kind of goes back to, I forget what we were just talking about before. And that's like, someone who's not, who he's not talking about. Someone pulling right. the race card for all intents and That's someone who's, who you he's not, not talking Native about. American what if you're the card? person? What if you're the person he's talking about? Because it doesn't matter. It boils my blood just hearing it. Yeah. And I'm not Elizabeth Warren. I'm a hundred percent Haitian. Which, whatever that means. <laughs> but I'm a hundred percent a mix of I am a hundred percent, thirty percent French, thirty percent a slave, and thirty percent indigenous. I'm a, I'm a Haitian passing Haitian with Haitian parents and publicly. So if he comes at me and tells me I'm not Haitian, is fundamentally different than Elizabeth Warren being called out on her Native American name Boom. six to ten generations ago. Boom. That, and if you cannot tell the difference between that, I don't want you as president. The, the nuance doesn't even begin to, to cover how fucking off, 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 uh, uh, just off-road that is. Like, that is not something that she is allowed to feel pissed off about. Rob? Uh, <laughs> I mean, honest, I, I think this, this whole episode shows just the true, like, how good that the right wing of the political spectrum yeah. is at getting in your head. I mean, this yeah. has been, and, and what's crazy is like in recent years, they have said that this is their strategy. Just keep trolling. They, they get yeah. on message Listen. and they yeah. will take you, they will get into your head. The ethos yeah. of the party is trolling. Yeah. yeah. The ethos of the party is, it is a, it is one party under the meme. And yeah. at yeah. 71 years old, her generation is not mentally equipped to, <laughs> deal oh, now we're with ages. trolls to no. even understand the <laughs> okay, mind, boomer. Like, uh, uh, 
you know that's we, why that's why do. they literally now say okay boomer is yeah. a slur yeah mm-hmm. tantamount <laughs> to, to saying the, the n-word, n-word. Mm-hmm. that's like but we can still say okay boomer we don't call it the ob word <laughs> uh, everyone 70 years or, or older please listen carefully Okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. Here's the thing: that she never claimed to be fully Cherokee. She claimed to have some Native American heritage, which she was right about. She never wore a headdress and went. Yes. So I think forty years ago, that kind of white woman was cool compared to the lady who got Emmett Till killed. But right now we have different standards. Okay. What? Oh, come on. Wow, you come jumped on. a lot. <laughs> like, I oh, almost spilled I, my fucking yeah, wine here. I gotta go. That <laughs> is outrageous. Yeah, I don't even that know. That is outrageous. How to connect That's those two things to have a rebuttal. She hates censorship. <laughs> and I want to start censoring my own show. <laughs> Because she said that shit. I don't, what do you, okay. What do you she's mean not by that? the I'm lady. Not leading you out she's now. not would, the lady. I would like for you to like try to. Can you walk that, that back, yeah. please? Can you walk? Don't that walk back, me back. Please? Just help me understand what you meant when you said that. I'm saying that growing up, mm-hmm. um, as far as our expectations of white people, mm-hmm. specifically white women. One of the things I always heard from my father, from just older people in general, was far as like the racial politics mm-hmm. as to who's more liberal, who's not liberal. White women were considered more liberal. They got a pass. We they did a whole show about all it. the time. In fact, we had an entire season Watch that. that was pretty much Two dedicated episodes. to white women because they yes. were getting a pass for so long, if for season so many one, years. You know how like basically... season one of The Wire was like the corners? <laughs> season one of... <laughs> Of devil advocates was white women are trash. Yeah, white women are trash in sexual assault. Yeah. Um. So we had lower standards. So therefore, someone like Rachel Dolezal could get a pass for a long time, which was our our first. White women are trash. Yeah. Um. But there was this idea that okay, well they're on our side. They're at least you know not trying to lynch us. Like the standard for white womanhood, like say in the fifties and sixties, was standing by white patriarchy, um, crying rape, and getting people like Emmett Till killed. And mm-hmm. that was that was our understanding and apple of white pie. women. So when you had a white woman that was willing to date a black guy or willing to she was um, a race change trader. her um, you know, change her beliefs from conser- you know, comfortable Republican to blah blah blah. We had all these rationalizations mm-hmm. for white women's behavior. Mm-hmm. But then after years of getting a pass, we had our first season of how much they've become trash. And now our standards are completely different. It's not but okay uh, to be aren't this you arguing definite. that they were never not trash? No, I think that because they were never not trash. They were always trash. We just but had we, different but, standards. But our our understanding of them and our expectations of them were a lot. Lower. I think this is now like a correction. Like a wait, what did you say? Because twenty <laughs> years moment of, no, in, because in our culture. Years ago, her saying that she's part Native American would be a value add. Oh, she's trying to be one of us. We don't care if she's actually Native American, but that's a sign that she's one of us. But we also elected Bill Clinton um, because he played the saxophone, and that wasn't patronizing. We, we were like, oh, yeah, he's one of us. But now we're like, you know, that's not enough. If you are a white person and you consider yourself an ally, you need to hold yourself a okay. little more accountable. So, so Emmett Till? <laughs> that was where my uh, reference started. <laughs> no, as yeah, far no, as, like, no, worst, no. most trash we're, white women we're, to we're now, just, we're just getting Emmett further. Till is most trash white women. So that, was, I, that was your drawing a line between yeah. Most Elizabeth trash white women Warren and most trash white is women. the lady who said Emmett Till raped her. She's our version of that. 
I, or she, or if we're not, it's got to be a sign of progress. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it is a yes. sign of progress. It is a sign of progress. Yeah. But I'm just saying that. Way to like, contextualize. Yeah. Our, our 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 standards have changed. Our patience um, has been has been um, you know. Uh, we're out of fucks for what? We're women? out of fucks. But here's the thing: she wasn't wrong. She is part Native American. Yeah. And the other not part is not hard enough. Not who gets to oh, say come that? on. To get goaded into like all the so wild things. So are you pissed at the goaded? So you're pissed at the goaded. You're pissed at the goaded. I'm pissed at the goaded. It's a strategic mistake. Not a not a getting Emmett Till killed for why whistling at you. Why is she not getting goaded on other things? Huh? I'm saying why is she not getting why is she getting goaded on this and not Because other Pocahontas things? was particularly hurtful. I hope she's learned. Yeah, I mean. And she's learned. Yeah. Uh, no one's seeing my so, face right now, but this, like, yeah. really? on the, on the strategic, I will I will finally you know, say my part on the strategic. I think I think she takes a hit on both of those counts. I think she takes a hit on the identity thing. However, I think the power of redemption uh, yeah. and the power of being able to say you're wrong, I think that's value added, and so I think that blunts that one. I'm not saying it's something not to consider. Yeah. I'm just saying I value her redemption that much. Yeah, I and because on think, the strategic mistake, yeah. um, I sympathize with her, but I can't say it's not a mistake. Yeah, She's not Hillary. Mistake. It's a mistake. <laughs> I mean, and here's the it's thing. not Hillary with hot sauce in her pocketbook uh, on Hillary's the fucking the morning show. Hillary's the worst. With Hillary pandering. ruined it for everybody. Hillary now I got no pander- fun. So here's I, just my Hillary anecdote when I was like, yeah, this pandering has gone too far. It was, it was her and Obama, and I don't know, you might remember this, Rob, but they both went on, like, WWE. It was, like, her and Obama this. and whoever was running on the Republican side, too. Like, they all did, like, opening promos for WWE or WWF. And it was like for like Raw or whatever the big match but was. But the that McMahons year. literally are in yeah. conservative politics. And yeah. the thing was, is like they showed, I think like Obama went first. And he just talked like Obama. Like he was just like, hello, America. And he was just like, this is I my platform. I think this match is going to be great. And, and then he just talked about his platform. And that was it. And he was just like, look, I know that half, I, most of his um, audience is not going to vote for me. I really anymore. love Junkyard Dog. But I'm, no, <laughs> and that's the difference. He just talked about what he wanted to do for Jimmy the country. Superfly Snooker. <laughs> Hillary got on. And she was like, she did it like it was an opening promo, promo for her match. And she literally called herself Hillrod. Like, she did, like, yeah. this whole, like, yeah, brother. Like, she said, thing. let and me was, tell you, brother. Yeah, and I was like, what the, the Hillrod is, is here and ready to cause mayhem. Like at, at best, I'm going to shatter like, that, yeah. that glass ceiling. At best, it should have been like the anecdote of like when Biggie Ooh, Smalls yeah. went to record with Bone Thugs and Harmony, and they laid their tracks first, and then he was like, "Fuck, I need to rewrite what I was going to put on this track." Like that's what Hillary should have done yeah. when she saw what Obama yeah. did. She could have should have called an yeah. Audible right then and been like, "Oh, I'm just going to talk to the American people yeah. like normal fucking people." So and, th- this isn't that kind of pandering. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. And again, like I feel like. Because let's also remember that this isn't talking like mama's family when you go to Kentucky. Yeah. Obama and then got the sucked next into day, the birtherism debate far yeah. more than he should have, too. Sure. That was different, though. How? How? Well, for starters, it was going on a lot longer. And saying that 
Oh, he's so not it's just longer. Well, no, no. But saying that you are not an American. Okay, no, no. So if they do it three years, then you're allowed to turn your back on everything. I think I think we have to consider all mitigating circumstances as a lawyer. I think we have to consider that you can't say shit against the Obamas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty okay. much. Yeah, right. they're, they're perfect. Um, <laughs> I, I, I worked on the Obama campaign we, with you. We, we did. <laughs> we, we did. did. You we know did. How, how magical these people are. But no, but regardless though, the whole birther thing wasn't just a stab at Obama. It was a stab at Muslim Americans. It was a stab at immigrants and it was a stab at the first black president. So it, it was a lot more understandable that he get goaded into something that is not just a, it was a him. black man defending his, uh, his place work. and status yeah. as opposed to a white woman defending her place and status. And a white woman defending this anecdote that she had been yeah. using. I think it's a, I agree they're, they're a little yeah. different. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, he's defending his fundamental right to be president of the United okay, States. Okay, right. Oba- that was Obama's great and everything. It's okay, not about God. Obama's great. It's about the fact that his war against the whole birther movement meant a lot more than this tiny little aside that an idiot president says to an inconsequential thing that affects I like that response, woman. guys. Yeah. I like that response. I think you're right. I think that uh, to nail her to the wall yeah. on this mistake, no. which I acknowledge is a mistake. Yeah, it was a mistake. But to me, it's not a litmus test mistake. No. To me, it's not a disqualifying. Is it to you? No. Is it to you, Rob? No. no. Is it to you? Mm, no. Not for not yet. Not alone. Not yet. Not, not alone. alone. But okay. I'm putting it in my pocket. All right. Uh, so now after Pocahontas, we go to the main event. Uh, it was reported that the two met in 2018 and agreed that if they ultimately face each other as presidential candidates, they should remain civil and avoid attacking one another so as not to hurt the progressive movement. They also discussed how best to take on President Donald Trump. And Warren laid out as her nerdy-ass self. (laughs) In this discussion with the guy she'd be running against, she laid out two main reasons why she believes she'd be a strong candidate, meaning red should be red stronger, uh, is that she could make a robust argument about the economy, as she's an economist, uh, and earn broad support from female voters. To which Sanders replied, and by the way, let's be clear about the dynamics of this. She is saying, I'm a woman, I could get more women voters than you. Yeah. Okay. And he's saying, doubt it. Yeah. And so, whether he voiced doubt it as, uh, I don't think a woman can win, whether he said the words doubt it. Yeah. Whatever he said, she understood it to mean that he doubted that a woman could win, and this was in 2018. Uh, 20, uh, yeah, this was in 2018. He doubted a woman could win in America. That doubt, not for nothing, was not a doubt that a woman could be president, yeah, which but, he has never believed yes. was the case. Yes, it's an no question. And no one believes it's the case. Yeah. Okay? It's, uh, and that, this is where this the clickbait version of this argument is he is a misogynist. Yes. Okay. Uh, where this should be about is um, Bernie made a cynical statement. Yes. 
if you believe what Hillary, uh, what Hillary, wow. If you believe, please, we need to cut that out because I can't have that <laughs> on my fucking, in my life. Uh, do we believe, uh, if we believe that what, what Warren said of the statement is that he had a cynical moment where he wasn't sure America was ready to elect a woman. He just finished seeing Hillary, who is probably the most qualified presidential candidate that we've had in the last hundred years. He just saw her go down in flames. We can all talk about why. And it may not be because she's the most qualified candidate ever. <laughs> but um, he just saw her go down in flames. Maybe he had a moment where he said, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, We, we saw it. No, we saw, I, we I, saw a woman who has kind of your bona fides. We saw her get destroyed by this piece of shit human being. Well, I think it was the, there was a miscommunication because in Clearly. his statement, I think the word white was silent before he said woman. Okay. <laughs> because I, I, and I, and if we're, if we're talking about how things, you know, uh, turn into clickbait and arguments get, get, get dumbed down, um, saying a white woman couldn't win versus a white woman can't uh, run the country are two fundamentally different statements. But I think he's right. America right now does not necessarily trust women that look or like we don't Elizabeth know. Warren. Uh, and, and, or we don't know. And maybe he did Clinton. say that. Maybe he did pull a, just like his cousin, maybe he pulled a Larry David. Yeah. Uh, you know, when Larry David disagrees with you and you lay it all out, Larry David goes, all right. Yeah. Well, let's just let's, Maybe. Let's, I, I say we should take let's them see. at their word. He said that a a woman couldn't win, and that's not untrue. It's it's not an argument. It's the elephant. That can't listen, be made. in our circles, in our progressive circles, yeah. it's the elephant in the room because a bunch of us yeah. are true believers. Yeah. A bunch of us believe that I mean, we need to be doing all of these progressive things, and we still secretly listen. You and I. We ran, so this is why I don't respond well to punditry. This is why I don't respond well to people telling me who can and cannot win. Yes. Because I campaigned in Redding, Pennsylvania, in Berks County, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. in 2008 for a candidate, a candidate named Barack, Barack Hussein, Hussein Obama. Obama. Who everyone okay? said couldn't win. And whoever said there. couldn't win. <laughs> and I said, that doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't mean he's not the person to work for. Yeah. It doesn't mean this movement isn't something that we need to start. We might take an L, but I know I'm in the right place. Yeah. I know I'm where I need to be. I know I'm working for the right people. I know I'm working for the right and cause. And the night he won was so cathartic. So anyone who says that they believe the whole fucking time, tell, let me tell you, you yeah. were not in a yeah, campaign no, you yeah. party. Redding, no. You were not a campaign party. You definitely weren't in Reading, yeah. but you were not in a campaign party, not even in Midtown no, Manhattan. I wholeheartedly Because agree. if yeah. you were there, you know yeah, totally. that moment of motherfucking disbelief. Yeah. You know that moment where you said, I thought about it, and my mind believed we could do it. And my arms and my eyes and everything that I put in this thing believed that we can do it. But there was a little hater in the back of my mind yeah. who told I mean, me remember, they wouldn't let us get this. I remember, the, I remember the exact moment where I shifted myself in going from he can't possibly do it to me supporting him. And that was when he gave his speech in Philly. Mm -hmm. Before that, I was the like... The race speech. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was like, there's no way... And I then, an entire, and uh, then I watched that speech specifically, and I was like, "I still think fuck it's, his electability." I still like, think it's, I still think I'm it's the single greatest yeah. speech by a politician in the history of the United States of America. And I, I think so. that 
this idea of electability is one of my biggest gripes with the current. It's racist and sexist. Yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. the it's my biggest gripe with the current field and the field before the new year started because we had decided that we weren't going to even do these shows until the field got narrowed down a bit by this time of the year. And so we made a conscious decision to do that because we did start with such a huge field on the democratic side. We couldn't talk about 25 people to y'all. And we couldn't talk about everyone. But that whole electability issue is like what is killing our two party system. Like, well, it, it's yeah. it's it's just killing our side. Yeah, yeah I think it, it, I think and it's just I, making us debate each other. Yeah, yeah. But I think it also killed the republic. I think the Republicans would have far rather have not had Trump be like the republic. A, a yeah, Republican no, they needed a rock star. They needed a rock star, not low energy Jeb. Yeah, and and because I, if they had if they had to vote by their chicken shit scaredness, yeah, they would have voted low energy Jeb. Yeah, totally. But they're like, ah, this guy's too much of a rock star. We cannot, yeah, we yeah. cannot do this. Because also, not for nothing, first Republican debate I saw, I knew Trump had it in the bag. Like, no one had the man amongst on boys. Stage. Yeah, he was like, you know, fuck policy. Like, he's playing to the crowd, and he's playing the game y'all aren't playing. Yeah. and you're gonna figure yeah. it out too late. It's the one time where everyone else showed up with checkers, and Trump somehow knew so, how to play chess. <laughs> all that, all that to say this: I don't respond to punditry. Yeah, I don't. To me, it's as if a breeze just blew by when someone tells me who can or can't win totally. or who will or won't come out or blah, blah, blah. You ain't a pundit. You ain't gotten this right 100% of the time. No one's gotten. Adam Silver's been wrong. Uh, every single person whose job it is to do this shit has been wrong. Only black women. And you know what? Right. Work hasn't happened. <laughs> it's a, except black women. <laughs> uh, you know, the, it's about the work. It's about who gets shoe leather worn uh, down. And it's about who shows up day of. And that's there's a whole bunch of factors we don't know about yet. Yeah. yeah, I think the electability question is just one of the many ways that the Republican Party has tried to emphasize this overarching narrative of, like, nothing really matters. You know, mm-hmm. like, like nothing, truth doesn't matter so we can lie. Law doesn't matter so we can break it. Uh, corruption doesn't matter so it's okay if we're in it. And I think, like... He's my talk- kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, by, yeah, exactly. By talking about electability, you reduce it just to tribalism. Who would you want to have a beer with? Yeah, yes. yeah, that, that ancient the thing. The beer with test. Yeah, yeah yes. it, it, is, it has become a way of flattening every conversation and... and re- to its dumbest... To its dumbest elements. Possible yes. version. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is a way... I mean, you, can't, you, you ask someone a question about a, about a specific policy... And they will say, yeah, but that person can't get elected anyway. And it's like, maybe you're right, but boy, it would be nice to talk about the actual policy. Yeah, exactly. Of course they're not going to get elected if we Imagine if we exchange ideas instead of our our fucking sports book bets. Yeah, Yeah. our gut. Imagine imagine if we just talked about what could actually help us. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to, um, uh, you know, I got five to one on on Biden right now. You know, so whatever it is, um, I don't respond to punditry. So that statement to me. Is a punditry statement. Yeah. It's as if a, a nice breeze blew by. Absolutely. And I could give a shit. Yeah. I don't care who says what. And not for nothing, I don't view it negatively or positively. That's your bet. Yeah. I'm a fool. I'm an optimist. You're a cynic. If you're a cynic, you can still be my best friend. We could be brothers. We can work side by side. And we can still do what we got to do. And we'll find out who's right. We're probably yeah. going to be right and wrong 50% of the time. Yeah. You know, we're going to go back and forth being right or wrong, optimist and cynic. But in the end, at the end of the day, or if I'm wrong, 80% of the time, I mean, I really personally don't care. 
the point is, I don't know I can't do it until I'm proven I can't do yeah. it. And so, um, uh, to me, uh, that's the first clickbait part of this. The yeah. first part of this was that this statement was not a misogynist statement. This statement was a cynical statement. Now, even the people who know that. But oh, I know this wrapped is, in misogyny. No, I know it's a cynic. <laughs> this is the second argument, right? I know this is a cynical statement, but where does that cynicism come from? Yeah. Mm. Now, is that cynicism... That, that cynicism is also very that he's an acute That he's an acute socialist? True. I mean, that he's an acute social observer? Mm-hmm. Uh, that he's got great abilities? Or is that cynicism rooted in, it's my turn? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, well, you can't run for president without an ego. Mm-hmm. But then we try these these egos to see uh, to find that Goldilocks zone of enough ego to get elected, but not so much ego that you're going to willfully tank another <laughs> democratic potential democratic candidate's ability to win in order to make sure you get it. Bitch, yeah. I am the movement, <laughs> and and, and that, that's the thing that we accused Hillary Clinton of. Yeah. And is Bernie Sanders guilty of the same thing? So I don't know if Oof. I would claim it that. Here's what I would say, because there's, in in Juan's great notes, I think that we haven't touched on another thing that I think connects to this a lot that has come up since we decided to do this show, which is there's a clear connection, or to some people what they see is a clear connection to like his statements on Warren the existence of Bernie bros and him not speaking out against some of their worst tendencies. And most recently his endorsement from Joe Rogan, who is kind of like the ultimate caricature of a Bernie bro, like all rolled up into like, he's a Bernie, he's a Bernie bro on steroids. Wait, I mean, he's like Joe Rogan. So it's it's already (laughs) part of it. So, so it's kind of like any one of those things taken in themselves already feel suspect but when you look at them as a whole i think this is actually probably the most are kind you of seeing a pattern concerning mm-hmm. thing about any of the candidates that we've talked about tonight like i think everything else is much more kind of like blown out of proportion and clickbaity so and i think this cr- criticism of bernie when you take all of those things so into what did account, warren say about it warren yes. said this among the topics that came up was what would happen if Democrats nominated a female candidate. Um, I thought a woman could win. He disagreed. I I have no further interest in discussing this private meeting any further because Bernie and I have far more in common than our difference on punditry. Yes. So, so she took the class. I, I have to admit, yeah. I have to she admit that I smuggled in this punditry thing <laughs> because this punditry statement. Now I'm sure many of you heard the first part of this, which is. I thought a woman could win. He disagreed. Yeah. That's what the that's what her statement was reduced to. Yeah. Mm. Uh, in confirming that this happened, however, the very next breath, yeah. she says, "I have no interest in discussing this private meeting any further because Bernie and I have far more in common than our difference on punditry." Yeah. She told everyone, anyone who weaponizes to say that he's a misogynist, she told them. Don't think this is misogyny. Yeah. I don't think this is misogyny. But it's poetry. It's punditry. It's poet. This level of punditry. A few of those words are different. Well, see. A few of those letters are different. Well, what I'm talking about as poetry, as far as how much can be told with such refined economy of language, because she's basically saying you he's a misogynist. You think this bitch is evil? Uh, 
no, I don't think she's evil. I don't <laughs> think she's evil. I think she's smart. And that kind of undoes smart the like whole an smart, evil, smart evil like thoughts. the way she needs to be if she's want if she wants to be president like and wants to get shit done. No, no, because I don't. Because I, unlike other people who might hate women, don't, 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 like don't the, equate like the lady intelligence and a woman and with being evil. So I think she's as smart as she needs to be to be president. She played the smart, meaning that she's going to let us know that he's a misogynist, but that she has learned from her Pocahontas days that she's not going to. Um, Go into well, this she did. So on the debate, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. She said what she so, but, to say, but, but she I'm did, above it. She did say. That's what she communicated. She did say. All right. So she said, I don't want to talk anymore about this. But then she did, on the debate stage, say. But let me take a moment to talk about the elephant in the room, which is everybody's talking about the statement. Yeah. Everybody's talking about the statement that a woman can win, about who said it and what they meant by it when they said it. But nobody talked about the statement. Yeah. Nobody talked about the statement. He says, let me talk to the statement. Let me tell you that I'm the only one who beat a Republican, an incumbent Republican, on this stage. Okay? Uh, and so, you know, and, and I'm the only one who beat a Republican on this stage other than uh, Klobuchar. Mm-hmm. And so she did take it and weaponize it. She did use it. And that's it. fine, but smart. But, uh, but the thing that makes it misogynist is that we automatically take a smart, a shrewd political move, and because a woman did it, it is now evil. It's conniving. No, it's not. It's heartless. You're it's, heartless. She's, she's a snake. This is what I hear. That's what people... Uh, have you heard snake? I've heard snake. But let's talk about the I've heard iron. this is let's dastardly. This is a dirty the trick. Mike no, moment let, is what people bring up a lot, is that yeah. she knew what she was doing by so you confronting me, him on the stage. You called me but, a but liar is, on TV. You called exposes, me a liar. But this is what exposes the misogyny of America, specifically people like Bernie bros, because when Hillary was running, people who were accused of misogyny and saying that you don't want a woman to be president would use Warren as the excuse as to how they're not misogynist. Oh, I just don't like Hillary. Hillary is really shady. I, I do know, like you know, Elizabeth Warren. My most, aggr- the most, <laughs> but aggressive? now that Hillary's out of the game and Elizabeth Warren, now we just don't think a woman can in my, her. in my 2000 friends or whatever that I have on Facebook. Uh, my most aggressive Bernie bros um, are beautiful women with breasts. Uh, they're beautiful, too. Uh, and, no, I mean, like, they are uh, very beautiful breasts, actually. No, but they're, they're very strong women, very strong women who are very aggressive, who are very aggressive in um, reminding me every day that Bernie is the way, the truth, and the light. Uh, and that any opposition to Bernie whatsoever is a betrayal yeah. of progressive, um, uh, of the progressive. So you're movement. saying the biggest Bernie Bros have breasts? Say that five times fast. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. We'll wait. No, you can't. The biggest Bernie Bros have breasts. The biggest Bernie Bros have breasts. The biggest Bernie Bros have breasts. That's the biggest uh, Bernie Bros have breasts. That's the impressive. biggest Bernie Bros have breasts. That's wow. impressive. That's, all right, this is poetry jam days <laughs> coming back. So yeah, I mean she she's a slam poet. Anyone could do it. She could do it. So um yeah so I mean uh, yeah uh, the idea that they're all bros they're not all bros. In fact, they're not even mostly bros. Weren't these the uh, same women that plurality. elected Trump? Oh, th- listen, listen. <laughs> that a woman can be a misogynist also is not a uh, yeah. can't be a misogynist. That's also not a foregone conclusion, yeah. um, because there are female Republican senators uh, like Collins and Murkowski. Murkowski. 
and Ernst. Exactly. So it's not like they can't be misogynists. I'm looking at y'all. Uh, so at any rate, um, I, I retreat to the fact that this is punditry. I don't I take no offense to a woman actually making the case that a woman can win because guys guess what? They haven't won till yet, till now. So yeah. a woman has to say it. Yeah. The race speech. Yeah. The race speech. Okay? The race speech, anyone who views this historically would have to say that him having to make that statement, mm-hmm. okay, is what made it possible. Yeah. Not the fact that that guy played a black president on twenty four. <laughs> Okay, that's not the prerequisite. The prerequisite is let's talk about race. Let's have the candidate who has to explain and has to get all the votes. Mm -hmm. Let's have him explain what race means to him. Does he think the scales are tipped? Does he think what does he think about society? What does he think about where we are in race? What does he think about his race? How should we view his race? How does that inform who he is as a person? And so he spoke to those things. He addressed the elephant in the room and I think it's telling that when uh, a female candidate addresses the elephant in the room, it's uh, being divisive, a snake, being Mm -hmm. tricky, all these things. Um, I mean, let's be real. I've always said this. I'll never not say it. Um, You know, the black man got the vote before a white woman did. Yeah. So misogyny runs deep in this country, uh, about as deep as racism. I don't want to find out which one was first. Yeah. Um, So... Uh, yeah, I, I'll retreat to punditry uh, on this. Do, does anybody assign a negative to either candidate because of this fight? I, I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm gonna say that. Um, to me, you know, as far as uh, Warren goes, you know, we were talking in the last uh, issue about a strategic error, but here's where they lobbed her a softball, and uh, they gave her an opportunity to to make an issue out of this, and I thought she did what a politician who's trying to win public office would do. Uh, so I, I don't, yeah, the, the people calling her a snake, I would, I would disagree with that. As far as uh, Bernie goes, like, I am concerned that he would say something like this. I, I wish we could actually have the transcript <laughs> yeah. of what, you know, because there's many different ways to say it. Listen, I mean, you, having the transcript doesn't matter. I, I know. Yes. I know that was, that was a poor choice of words, uh, considering our current <laughs> political environment. Yeah. Um, because the like, truth does not matter. Yeah. There, there, there may be a way to say, to express concern about like whether this country can, uh, you know, is, is actually at a place where it's going to elect a woman without, without it. There's being an intellectual discussion. Yeah. Yeah. That is not based in everybody participating in it being a misogynist. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I guess I'm, even though I, I lean toward Warren and I'm, I'm planning to vote for her in the uh, primary, but I'm willing to give Bernie. Is that white male guilt? <laughs> Um, probably, I mean, that probably <laughs> motivates a lot of things. I mean, she'll take it. Yeah. Uh, she'll take the vote. Boy, I mean, if we wanted to explore my white male guilt, we're going to be here until <laughs> but, three in the morning. But no, I'm, I'm glad that you did that. I'm glad that you came out. Like, to be yeah. fair, uh, because, uh, because Rob lived in an apartment with four other <laughs> minority guys for yeah. a while. And, yeah. and, Me and, being and the one main of them. character so, in his first book is an interrelation, interracial relationship with a dog. Interspecies. Yeah, yeah. Interspecies. interspecies. Okay. Yeah, I, I try. What can and I we're canceled. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I, I'll, I'll take my turn, uh, and I'll take my cue from Rob. Uh, I am a Warren fan. I was part of uh, the draft Liz and Run Liz Run uh, early on, before it backed for, for sixteen. Um, she didn't run, and when she didn't run, I became a burner, and I was a burner 
to the end. Uh, I didn't announce that I would vote uh, for Hillary until the day before the election. Uh, and so, and it was, and it's still the vote that I hated casting the most in my entire life voting. Uh, but I voted for Hillary, but I was Bernie, and I still to this day believe Bernie is the best human being running for president right now. However, my personal take is that just because you're the best human being doesn't necessarily mean you're the best person for the job. And if we have a limited amount of resources, I'd rather have Bernie in the Senate and I'd rather have Warren as president. She's a nerd. She'll outwork anybody. And it's a visceral kind of job that I think um, I'd rather have Bernie being in the Senate and I'd rather have Warren as president. That's where I think our resources are best put. So I am in the tank for Warren. I have the uh, bumper sticker on my car, which has been called Liz Warren since I bought it uh, two years ago. Well, what makes me want to vote for neither of them is the fact that... Tulsi Gabbard, all day, every day. I mean, <laughs> why couldn't we have a Warren Sanders ticket? Well, why, that's why, my why ideal. is that not possible? No, it, it is possible. Is it possible? Yes. yes. We just okay. have to we have to pick who's the top of the ticket first. No, it's and not. And then they can pick. Oh, well, I, don't, I don't think it's likely. I no, think it's, it's highly unlikely. It's highly so unlikely. The, but that, the reason why it's highly unlikely is they're both, they're both considered, as, as draws, they're both considered Northeastern. It would be an easy yeah. win. Northeastern progressive Democrats. So the yeah. conventional wisdom, the conventional wisdom is either Bernie or Warren has to pick Someone. a Midwestern, Southern yeah. or Western white guy to balance their ticket. Just like okay, so just like he had to do it. Just so like they're to do it just Biden. like Obama had to pick uh, Scranton's own uh, Joe yeah. Biden uh, with a uh, a T bird, was yeah. it? And uh, and and cut off uh, yeah. cut off T shirt. <laughs> he he good, had to pick somebody uh, like that, the onion version of uh, of uh, Biden. And so um, the uh, conventional wisdom is that they're going to have to pick somebody like Buttigieg, um, good looking, fresh faced, young. Midwestern white male um, because a Jewish guy from Brooklyn slash Vermont uh, is not going to get enough of the in-between votes, which not for nothing, nothing's predicated on the in-between votes. Yeah. But, uh, and that uh, Warren, who happens to be from the South uh, in Oklahoma, still is considered a Northeastern elite. And so that, they, that she would need somebody like Buttigieg also. But to your point, um, when we got Obama elected, that hadn't happened yet either. And yeah. right now we live in, I think right now from an electoral standpoint, the world is a lot smaller because of things like Facebook and Twitter and people formulate their political ideology less and less because of the places that they were born in and I think have a much, yeah. things much that wider scope. Yeah, things that don't happen... Don't happen until they happen. Yeah. Exactly. And so, so, yeah. And this is like my bigger criticism of where we are as the Democratic Party and where we're headed is that, you know, you know, what's the fucking point of the DNC if they can't like get these people together and hash some of this shit out? The point of the DNC. The point of the DNC is against each other. Like, my my bigger point is like you said, like. If we really want to look at who sh who we believe is the stronger candidate, then why not like 
actually do that and put all our weight behind it instead of being like, oh, who's more electable? The purpose because whoever is yeah. electable is the person who has the most support. The purpose exactly. of the purpose of the DNC is, um, you kids and you POCs, you guys. Don't really know. No, exactly. It's the same. You don't really know what's good for you. Yeah. It's the yeah, electoral college. We're the people that turned got Barack into like, Hussein Obama yeah. elected. Listen, this is great. It's I'm so glad that you guys are so excited yeah. about this. You don't we, know what's listen, good for you. We love Bernie too. Yeah. We love Bernie too. Mm-hmm. It's just, sweetie, you can't have him. Yeah. You can't have him. We know we're the right. adults in the room. Yeah. We're the adults we in the room. We know what's good for you. And You're the same bullshit. adults that ruined the economy, ruined the environment, yeah. fucked up the entire student loan oh, system. We're gonna talk colleges. about the center now. Listen, listen. <laughs> let's not let's not let's not These do, are the people that know let's what not to do. do too much preview of the center lane because if uh we're probably gonna try to release them at the same time if we can, we might stagger them a little bit. But the other podcast that is the companion podcast to this is the center lane podcast, where we talk about the DNC and who they want to foist on us. Uh, and we talk about uh, the sins of the center lane candidates. But um, so uh, ultimately what, you know, um, let's, let's, let's put people on the record about this. Uh, Wait, first of all, you, you haven't, you two still haven't said if you're in the tank for anybody yet. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. I'm in the anyone but Trump tank. Okay. So my, my, Two earlier choices are both out of the running. I really like Beto and I like Cory Booker. And both of them have since bowed out. So So you're really in the air because those are Yeah. Those are like not necessarily in the same vein. Color and the not, nihilist in me not and not And they're not necessarily left lane. Yeah. They're no. not necessarily right lane either. No. I or center lane, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I just but um I I think I'm leaning Warren. Okay, but I would not go any further Diane, than say leaning water. One of us. One <laughs> of us. <laughs> Meanwhile, let's let's also you know uh, poll vote. How many of you have a majority Bernie friends? I have majority Bernie friends. I'm the I'm only one. Sure. I, I, I actually. I'm not I'm, sure. I'm one of very. <laughs> I'm, sure. I'm one of very few Warren like, people that like I, I, I say my like, friends are Warren. I think really? from, from yeah. yeah, I think most of my friends too, but like wow. also for my yeah. sanity, I've been trying to not get Yeah, no, married. I'm I make cra- I, yeah, I'm in the same I make place. crazy like, liberal. Most of our friends are, are artists. Like I could not tell you who my yeah. friends are voting for right now. And I'm not really trying to know. Like oh. I know for a fact most of my LGBTQ friends are Warren. My entire that's like the so, only group that I know. My uh black women who work in the Democratic Party, all Warren. Mm-hmm. Mm. Black girl, black girl magic is working overtime really? for Warren. There's a like black women for Warren Page that like puts everything up about it. They are incredibly. I, I generally listen to what black women go for. Black, <laughs> let me tell you, black women, look it up. Everybody, fucking take me to task. And that's look saying it a up. lot, considering we got burned by black. Hillary. Black girl magic is in the tank for Warren right now. Okay. Um, but I have my. Black girlfriends that are 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 uh, and the ones that listen to them, Colin Hicks being one of them, uh, <laughs> and they're in the tank for Warren. Uh, even though Colin Hicks will never admit to it until the day he casts his vote, um, and everyone else, uh, my friends, is either someone who lives in Arkansas uh, or one of the weird Queens conservatives that I know, or a Bernie Sanders fan. Like I've got no 
Booker, no nothing, no moderates. I've got. I got a lot of people that were. I got. What's Booker. the big deal about Ukraine? It's not a big deal. This is whatever. Let me show you some memes Actually, that are racist. I got people for the Asian guy. Uh, Yang. Yang. Yeah. There's some Yang people. Yeah. yeah. I got. I got Yang people. I got Cory Booker. Um. Anyone I know online who's a Bernie bro, I've probably muted on Facebook. <laughs> Anybody had a uh, uh, Harris? My mother-in-law was really all about Kamala Harris. All my friends were like, I didn't want to ruin that moment. All my friends made that, sucking the teeth, know that she's a cop. <laughs> all my friends were like, fuck that shit. Which she's, I was kind of hoping she would still be she's in the a running. Cop. We wanted to do a podcast about her being a cop. It's worth yeah. discussing. I would she's like wor- to still. About her saying tee hee about smoking pot while she put a bunch of motherfucking, ruined a bunch of lives, ruined a bunch of communities, putting a whole bunch of black kids in jail for fucking pot and then laughing when someone asked her whether or not she ever tried it. I like that my mother-in-law was into Kamala Harris, but I'm not into Kamala Harris because she was into Kamala Harris for what basically she thought was female. You were one of these people. (laughs) So I understand why she, she was into Kamala Harris for the right reasons, but I didn't want to ruin it for her and be like, black people hate her. (laughs) You know? So bringing this back, bringing this back, Kamala, uh, we miss you. We wish you were still in this. But no one ever donated for you ever. Nope. Uh, so, but uh, uh, so is uh, is this beef disqualifying for for any of you? No, for I either. Just, I don't no. think it's disqualifying. It's just I find it frustrating and endemic of like a larger breakdown of. I think we're punks. The, I think this yeah. is an indictment of us. Yeah. yeah, that we're so easily goaded. Yeah. just like we didn't like the Pocahontas thing. Yeah. We just full on all got our DNA and put on a How Cherokee is it headdress. After Obama, we are back to another white guy. We're so easily divided, man. Fuck, we suck as our options. Because is, I, this is the cheap, cheap. Because Chilean Obama wine is like, like you know. I said this when Obama ran in the first time in two thousand eight. Uh, 2004 and we needed to have w to at the time fuck up the presidency so bad Mm -hmm. to make people willing the pendulum argument yeah and 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 then we had obama and having the first black president like which was also my anger at like people being like oh we're post-racial it's like how can we be post-racial when we're literally have people on screen calling it martin luther coon day and Ugh. saying that Obama's supporters are coons Ugh. and that Obama's a coons. It's like, and, where did racism go? And anybody who said post-racial, and by the way, yeah. post-racial era, those words were aired yes. on NPR yeah, yeah. the day after, after his the, election. Inaugur- yeah. and, 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 and not as, are we in a? Yeah. No, as in, in a, now that we are. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, black people knew that it was going to get no, worse. Oh, black people this. knew it. Yeah, like, we, knew we saw it. it. We're like, the okay, we're going to take this win. They went, black people, you're welcome. You're welcome, black people. wouldn't exist without Obama becoming president. Well, the Tea Party pre predates. Yeah, but they wouldn't have gained the foothold they did. That red, they wouldn't that have first exploded. Wave, that first wave of all those incoming freshmen. There was a whole no bunch of racists. There were a whole bunch what? of racists yeah. who were sitting there looking yeah. at the people with the fucking uh, uh, with the with the triangle hats uh, with tea bags hanging from them, going, "Look at these fucking assholes." Yeah. And then Obama got elected and go, "Where's the next one?" Yeah, those people <laughs> would have the... stayed on the fringe if they didn't have. The first black president. Obama's the only thing that is the only thing that could teach those people that voting is fun. Yeah. 
and, is and then, Obama running. And then we got Trump for it. So, you know, I mean, who knows what the pendulum will spring the other way. I just don't want to go through two terms. Listen, one thing it. we've learned in America is that you can have great art or you can have a great president, but you can't have both. <laughs> so, and I so was if anyone was Diane. wondering, if anyone was wondering <laughs> if the second season yeah. would have more outrageous shit. So this is actually I'm the, telling you right now. This is the first thing Diane told me after election night when Trump got elected. She was like, you know what? It's going to be the best art come out of like black America ever. Everybody. And I was like, I don't really care right now. I was in a very dark place. (laughs) But I think she's been proven right like over the course of time. Like I Uh, So one thing I won't fight her on is that So Trump Trump is a hell of a muse. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. And also being Haitian American, um I was actually hanging out with another friend of mine who was Haitian American um the night Trump got elected. And it was just an interesting demographic of people that were there. But we were kind of like laughing in a condescending way. The way was it a like lot of Haitian Americans. No, it wasn't the <laughs> SNL skit. But it, yeah, yeah, actually, it was. It was. We we're kind of laughing hello, condescendingly, hello. the way a lot of Haitian Americans do. Right. Like, ha ha ha! These people do not know what a dictator is. Please pass the bill. It's about to get real. <laughs> Where we were just kind of like Americans. You guys are so spoiled. No, but as far as like how a, much worse it's it the can beauty. Get. Y'all of, Bush it's was the bad. beauty of that Chris Rock Chappelle. Yeah, yeah. skit exactly. on SNL yeah. where they're like this is the greatest tragedy ever <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, really <laughs> really uh, of course he won the south that's where all the racists are really <laughs> all the racists all are in the <laughs> just in the south you ever been to Boston yeah. you ever been to Staten Island yeah but uh, uh so okay I have to I have to fucking uh, bring us to this but so uh, everybody's push on uh, on this beef Okay, so let's question. Is it clickbait, something to think about, or uh, disqualifying for either of them? I think I'm torn. On torn one between side, what? On one side, I feel like it's maybe the most clickbaity. Yeah. Uh, except for, like I said, taking in the larger context of like how Sanders has responded to his support from um, the, his most militant side and not kind of distancing himself from that yeah and like embracing his that that he that the people look at you and go he couldn't possibly have said that (laughs) yeah just really whispery and with like wide eyes going you're mistaken and and his embracing of joe rogan's endorsement is kind of like if taken in itself i would say it's total clickbait i just think there is a larger discussion to be had about him embracing or at least not. So you think the himself. discussion about this beef is important? Yes. Even though the beef is clickbait designed to separate us and not to actually differentiate exactly. the candidates. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with him because I think it, it it is clickbait, but it is maybe a more academic discussion. Mm-hmm. But from uh from so, a from a political campaigning it's perspective, clickbait, it's a more it's clickbait but with the old timey C with the two like stripes yeah, through it. It's it's a it's clickbait and it's taking okay. a boring conversation it's an illuminated and making it boring. Yeah. Okay. So it's 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 one of those things that's important to discuss academically. White guy perspective? Yeah, I, <laughs> I agree with both with both of that. I think that it's um yeah w- worth discussing a little bit but but just keeping in mind that the people who have really tried to drag this out are the people who are trying to divide to divide us. And I actually, I as you mentioned, uh, I like the fact that you know Warren kind of tried to defuse it. I mm-hmm. think that was probably the right move. She got yeah. just enough 
uh, you know, leverage out of it yeah. to, to make it a little bit of a story and like and, and mention throw in the zinger about how like I've actually beaten a Republican. Yeah. Uh, I, Republican, yeah. Yeah, I like the fact that they that they at least tried to turn it to their advantage. Um uh yeah, it I mean we it's not like we can stop having a discussion about whether or not Bernie and his uh his campaign are Potentially misogynist. Whether or not like he that, could have possibly said it. Yeah, that is not but going away. Really, that is what, not what, misogyny. No, no. Going what, from what Bernie things Sanders that, being like, uh, I don't think she can win to The Handmaid's Tale. And yeah, we need yeah, to like, yeah, live in that yeah, place exactly, to go on. Exactly. Right. I mean, Bernie, Bernie, one of Bernie's uh, high staffers did systematically sexual harass somebody during the 16 campaign. But he yeah. didn't do it. He didn't, and he says he didn't know about it. But and who here hasn't hired someone who's but that but that but that pattern harassed. but that pattern that that pattern that guys talks Fair about right. of Bernie being maybe a little slow to some things, mm-hmm. uh, a little slow to address to address some of the uncoolness of his burgeoning following. Yeah. But the bottom line is, we want him to get Joe Rogan on board, don't we? I don't see. That's the other part of it. Maybe I not embrace know. Joe Rogan, and he hasn't embraced. But the Joe, Joe Rogan. Rogans did not decide the last election. The Elizabeth Warrens did. But do we do we want him to get that vote? And I I think that's a bigger question because it's, it goes to like electability. I would love for any candidate to say if this is what you really think, then I don't fucking want your vote. I don't need your vote. Just like mm-hmm. when Eminem was like. You might like me, and you still could like Trump, but I don't want you to listen to my music. I think if, he's. I think I, he's more about inclusion. I think if you I, are, if you want like, to make like, things safer and fairer for the ninety nine percent, yeah, then you belong in our tent. And I feel like that inclusion argument seems almost as disingenuous to me as the argument of. Almost as disingenuous being as my impression. Well, no. It's like, oh, well, you're not tolerant of people who are not tolerant of Mexicans. So, therefore, you're intolerant, too, and you're just as bad as Stephen Miller. And I'm like, the no. The enemy of my enemy is yeah, my friend. Yeah, but I'm like, no, I think you should be Antifa. Like, you, no one should be tolerant of fascism. So, claiming that I'm being intolerant because I'm not tolerating fascism is a fucked up I'll, argument. I'll present counterpoint. I want I want Joe Rogan's vote. Now, I'm not going to, you know, um, go on a show and smoke weed like Elon Musk on his show. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to drape myself in Joe Rogan. But if Joe Rogan likes some part of my platform, I'm like, yeah, because this is common sense. This is common sense solutions. And for all the problems of the day. And that's fair. I think the issue, uh, my understanding was that it, it it wasn't just that Rogan endorsed him. It was that he retweeted the, the endorsement. Yes. And Sanders. His... And didn't they make like a video? Or yeah, something? exactly. Yeah, like yeah. that was weird. That's yeah. like. Also, yeah. not all supporters are created equal. If we're looking at people whose votes we're trying to win. If we're looking at the Joe Rogans of the world and the Elizabeth Warrens of the world, Joe Rogans of the world come with a lot more back. They got a lot more money. They got businesses. They got infrastructure, and they got guns. This was brought to you by marijuana. <laughs> Thirty seconds after her first puff, yeah, that's what you can expect. Uh, so, I wish this was on video because yeah. you would have seen. Yeah, it was literally like she took first an hit. insanely long hit. While we were talking, <laughs> handed it to our uh, producer extraordinaire and said, let me tell you. <laughs> so, 
I think that's about as good as this can get. What uh, we want you to do is we want you to be able to go back in these discussions that are largely motivated by clickbait people who want us to fight, don't want us to come up with solutions, don't want us to work together, uh, don't want us to unify. Um, we want you to go to them and call bullshit when you need to call bullshit. And we want you to have the uh, the, the tools to do it um, and have heard someone do it well or maybe moderately well like we did. Uh, <laughs> and um, this, this debate between Democrats, uh, this debate between liberals and Democrats writ large, this debate should be about the issues. It should be about shit. So let's hope that we can all, in our daily lives, out in the streets, talking to our peoples, trying to rally people's support, trying to bring people to our candidate. Let's hope we can be about shit when we do it. Let's hope our candidate stays about shit. Let's try to keep our candidate about shit. And let's nominate someone who's about shit so we can have somebody in the White House who's about shit. Preach. <laughs>